Are y'all ready for the word this morning? (laughs) If you have a Bible, you can turn to John 17. And we're going to pray. As you pray, I don't want you to, I don't want you to think of this time as, oh, I get to sit and just like be passive. Um, I want you to engage with the word of the Lord because the word is alive and it's powerful and the Holy Spirit is here, uh, not for you to hear what I have to say, but to reveal to you what it is for you that he wants you to know this morning. Okay? So, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence, for your work, for your eagerness to move, for revealing the heart of the Father this morning, and for bringing the word to life inside of us. We thank you that you you are here with whatever we need this morning. So we thank you for making us alive in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Do you ever think about what it will take for the whole world to know that Jesus is who he says he is? (laughs) Wes is like, yes. (laughs) For them to be fully convinced that Jesus is the son of God. Now you might say, well, that's, that would take signs, wonders, and miracles. And you might say, well, that was, that's going to take love. And you might say, well, that's going to take an authentic faith. Or you might say it's going to take an encounter with the Lord. And all of those things are true. But they're all wrapped up into one specific thing that Jesus mentioned. And it's recorded for us in the prayer that he prayed on the night that he was arrested and taken to be crucified. Okay, so let's read in John 17, verse 20. Starting in verse 20, he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. 
perfect unity. (laughs) That we, as the body of Christ, together, may be so one with him that people encounter him everywhere we are. Perfect unity. So a few months ago, Jeremy was given a word on a Sunday morning. And in that word, he said, it's time to unify and occupy. And we talked about it afterward, and we were both, we both agreed, hey, this unifying that God is talking about, it's something different than how we've ever thought about it before. Is that outside or inside? Outside, wow. (laughs) I was like, am I hearing ringing in my ears? So this unifying that God is, he's doing something and he's revealing something and it's in a way that we've never thought about it before. Okay. So today I want to talk about what is perfect unity and it begins in this relationship between the father and the son. It's that family relationship in heaven that Wes spoke about and explained so well a couple of weeks ago. It's the kind of unity or that realm of glory or that family relationship that we've, that exists in heaven that we've been invited into. Okay. It's, it's the kind of unity where we walk in unity step by step with Jesus, just like he did with the father. Okay. But it's also a kind of unity where we don't just operate in that as individuals, but together as a family. Okay? The kind of unity that exists in heaven and the kind of relationships that exist in heaven between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is the kind of relationships that we should have with one another. (laughs) You might say that's ridiculous that's radical that's impossible have you met us like do you know us like but i but it's not only possible it will happen it will happen on the earth because jesus asked for it and jesus gets what he asked for because he asked according to the desire and the will of the father okay This is the destiny of the church. No matter what you have heard, no matter what you will hear in the weeks to come, the church is emerging stronger than ever. It's not over. It's not weakening. It's not dissolving. It's not, it's not getting weaker. It's getting stronger. Okay. This is the destiny of the church that we would have perfect unity with heaven and with each other as a family on the, on the earth so that the world will know. Okay. You guys. Okay. So far. (laughs) So let's talk about some of the characteristics of perfect unity. Okay. It begins first of all with our individual unity with the father and the son and the Holy spirit. 
okay? We cannot have unity in our relationships with one another unless it first begins in that relationship, okay? Now, let me say this. Any kind of unity that has us withhold from our relationship with the Lord or operate outside of the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the standard of Jesus, or the word of the Father is not true unity. And it will produce no lasting fruit. Okay, do I need to say that again? (laughs) Any unity that has us withhold from our relationship with the Lord operate outside of the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the standard of Jesus, or the word of the Father is not true unity, and it will not last. Okay? You guys okay so far? So how do we know what is true unity and what is not? Okay? Now, right before Jesus Jesus said the words that we read earlier, he said these words. He said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Okay? The first characteristics characteristic of perfect unity is that it is rooted in truth. Okay? Unity is a word that's thrown around a lot these days. Okay, we hear it a lot. But a lot of times it comes with an agenda to promote compromise in the name of love. Okay? Does that make sense? This agenda said, if you don't accept my choices, then you don't love me. Okay? And therefore, in the name of unity, you must empower me to live my life how I want to live it. Okay, right? Do you hear that? Anyone hear that out there that in the world today? Okay. That's actually not unity. That's free will. And free will was given to us by God, but it's not unity. To say that I have the right to live my life however I want it and make any choice I want to make with my life is actually what introduced separation into the world. It was the act of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to say, I want to be the God of my own life that introduced division into this world in the first place. It's what originally separated us from God. So every time we come into agreement with the agenda of unity that, that, accepts people's choices that separate them from God, we are promoting an agenda of division on the earth, even though it is disguising itself as unity. Okay, does that make sense? Anytime we come into agreement with accepting the choices of people that separate them from God, we are promoting an agenda of division on the earth, even though it's disguised as unity. Okay, so when this unity comes or when this division comes that's disguised as unity, the church has two main ways that we tend to respond. Okay, the first is that we come into agreement with the narrative of the world in the name of a false compassion. Okay, they they claim that God is love. Jesus loved everybody and accepted everybody. It's, it's not our job to judge people, so we must accept people and love them and allow them to define their own relationship with the Lord. 
Okay, that claim is not incorrect, but it's incomplete. Okay, the second response is that we pronounce judgment on people in the name of truth. And they claim that telling people the truth is loving them, but they lack love in their delivery of the truth. And they lack an understanding of true righteousness. Okay. Righteousness, this is like, this is where you just like pay attention really close. Righteousness restores the standard of truth. Okay. So (laughs) for people, what that means is that righteousness restores the standard of the truth of who I am without sin. Before there was any separation from God. Righteousness restores the standard of the truth of who I am without sin. Do you get that? Before I was ever separated with, from the Lord. Righteousness actually brings us into unity of God's opinion of us from the glory realm of heaven before we ever entered into the world of sin and made bad choices. That's why we don't understand true righteousness. And let me say this. If we are claiming that unity is accepting the choices that people make that bring them into separation with God because Jesus loved everybody, we do not begin to know the love that Jesus has for people. Listen, God gave us free will. He gave us the ability to make our own choices. But he didn't just accept that and leave us in the consequences of the choices that we made. And not only that, he didn't leave us in the consequences of the choices that other people made that hurt us. Thank God he didn't just accept us. Thank God he just didn't say, well, you can work it out yourself. Thank God he just didn't let us define our own relationship with him. Thank God he defined it for us. Thank God that he sent his son into the world to lay his life down so that he could deliver us from the consequences of our own choices. Thank God he did that. Thank God he loved us enough to say, I will not accept those choices. I will not accept those consequences of your choices. I will not accept what someone did to you in the name of living their life however they want to live. Thank God he didn't do that. That's the love of Jesus and the Father in heaven. We don't begin to know that if we 
are okay with letting people define their own choices and their own relationship with the Lord that separates them from the love of God. Amen. <laughs> you guys okay? He did this, but he still invites us to choose. He invites, he doesn't force anyone. See, truth is not primarily an instrument of judgment. It's a light that exposes the lies that hold people in prisons of darkness and separation yeah. from love. Hear me saying, truth is a light that actually exposes the lies that hold people in prisons of darkness and separation from real love. Okay, does that make sense? So the light, so truth brings them into the reality of who they really are. It brings them into unity with heaven's opinion of them. If we really, if we really wanna love people like Jesus loved them, we won't allow them to continue to walk in this counterfeit version of love that's nowhere near the destiny that's on their life or the worth that's on their life, okay? Does that make sense? Are you guys, <laughs> are you guys okay? Who people are is not what they do, okay? Who people are is not what they do. That's the big lie from the Garden of Eden, okay? The serpent said, do, therefore you will be. God says you are, therefore go and do, okay? So the enemy wants people to believe that their identity is tied to their choices. Therefore, if you don't love my choices, then you don't love me. And that's a lie. That's not how heaven loves. Okay? The truth is our identity is separate from our choices. Okay? So if we love like heaven loves, then we believe in people the way that God believes in us. No matter what you are doing, no matter what choices you make, no matter what any of that is, I see who you are. I love who you are. I believe in who you are. And I believe more for you than what you know about yourself. And I will believe it and I will hope and love always hopes and love always perseveres until you believe it for yourself. That's perfect unity. We've not begun to understand the worth heaven has for us or how to tap, tap into the unity of the heart of heaven for the way that they love and believe in people. Where they don't just accept our opinion of ourself when we're in the middle of the consequences of our sin and our readiness to, to, to say 
to, to declare our independence. So I just want to, I'm free. I'm free to live my life my own way. I'm free. We are free. But God doesn't just accept that. He pursues and he pursues and he pursues and he loves and he loves and he loves and he hopes and he hopes and he hopes and he believes and he believes and he believes until suddenly that catches up with us and it overtakes us and we're like, I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know I could be this person. Does that make sense? So... Standing for the truth doesn't pass judgment on people. We allow people their free will. We allow people room to be imperfect. We allow people room to grow. But we love them in a way that we, that we believe in them and call them higher and out of their prisons of darkness where they are living separated from the love of God. How else will they know unless we show them? And we don't show them by saying, you're free to stay in your prison. Because I love, ultimately that love is self-seeking. Because we don't want people to think that we don't love them. (laughs) the truth is we love more than that because it's not about me it's about you it's about them it's about the worth that heaven has for them so I have um, actually uh, you know I have another half of this to go but I don't really think we're supposed to go there today. I I might finish it another time. I think we're just supposed to just sit in this. Just sit in this moment, in this holy moment. It's not about finishing a message. It's about an invitation to come into a higher realm. An invitation to come into a standard of truth and a standard of unity. Of heaven's opinion of us. That long before we entered this world in the realm of glory, the Father breathed out a destiny on your life. And nothing that's happened since we've entered this world has changed his mind on the destiny of your life that he prepared for you in glory before the world began. So there's just an invitation. I just want there to be an invitation to come and encounter him in that realm of glory and let him restore you to the standard of the truth of who you were without sin. 
to the truth of who you were without wounds and without hurt. There's healing present today for living in the consequences of the choices that other people made that affected you. And there's an invitation also to come into a greater encounter with love where you, we can't love the world if we don't let him love us first. If we don't let him bring us into and restore the standard of our life, if we don't believe in ourselves, we can't believe in the world the way that he believes in us because we don't first know that he believes in us. This isn't a day to sit back and, and think, I'm gonna think about this throughout the week and I'm gonna just, just gonna let it like, this, I think this is a day, This is there's an invitation to enter into a new realm of glory, not just for yourself, but as the body of Christ to say, we will be a church that loves people too much to compromise or to allow them to sit in prisons of separation, to come into agreement with agendas of division, to be worried so much about what people think of us that we don't know how to lay our lives down for them. His instructions to them were to march around the city of Jericho one time for six days and do nothing and say nothing. And every day for six, six days, they got up, they assembled, they lined up, they marched around the entire city. They didn't say a word. They just went back to camp. Do you ever wonder why God asked them to do that? What's the point of that? I don't really know the answer, but I, I know something about the mercy of God. 
And I wonder if he was giving the people of Jericho six days, six extra days to surrender. Six extra days to repent. Six extra days to see the glory of God. If you wonder what he's doing in the waiting, it's his mercy. do we march around Jericho and we shout for the walls to come out, come down? But are we calling for the repentance of those who are inside because God loves them just as much as he loves us? They're held in a stronghold of fear and they don't know it. It's time to call the prodigals home. thank you that this land is your land. You will have your land. You will have your promises. You will have your church. But your heartbeat is people. Your heartbeat is people. And people mercy, the unending, unfailing mercy of God. Thank you that you are bringing salvation to entire households. We thank you that you, for those of you who have lost loved ones, lost people in your family, we just declare the blood of Jesus over your entire household. And we call forth those who are, who are living in prisons of separation and darkness. We call them into the light. We call them into the love. We call them back into the purpose for which they were created. We release the glory of God to remind them who they were, to restore the standard of truth of who they were without those consequences, without those choices. We thank you for the healing that you're bringing into every household, into every family, into every relationship.
Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak. If you've never heard the voice of God, I just declare that your ears are open. To hear his gentle whisper, to hear his words of life. Thank you, God, that you didn't just accept our desire to live our life our own way. Thank you that you came after us, you pursued us, you loved us, you believed in us, you hoped for us. When we lost hope for ourselves, you hoped for us. And we are standing here today by the mercy of God. So we release that mercy out into the world who doesn't know what we know.